0: unlock the power of your mind this is provocative enlightenment with eldon taylor
1: welcome to another hour dedicated to the notion of enlightenment an hour for inquiry reflection questions and more all in our effort to understand exactly what enlightenment means and what it is to be enlightened an hour devoted to exploring the edge of consciousness and all that is implied thereof, an hour that recognizes the nature of the subjective experience as being at least as important as the so-called objective reality we reside within. Indeed, an hour dedicated to learning something more about ourselves, an hour designed to help us go further inward and perhaps challenge some of those old ideas about the world we live in and the people we have become. For me, enlightenment necessarily implies a certain prerequisite. We might just call, as Plato did, the dialectic, or the method of argument based on a dialogue between two or more people who hold different ideas and wish to persuade each other. Sometimes this dialogue can take place entirely in our own minds, but then again, sometimes it is the devil's advocate approach to the discourse that fleshes it out and reveals the insight. This is an hour where we strive to evaluate knowledge as inseparable from the total experience of reality, and all of this in an attempt to become enlightened. Okay, every week I read a few of your letters as our way of paying respect to the importance you play in helping us to shape and improve our show. Last week, the show was all about some of my own work, especially that involving hypnosis. During our conversation, Ravinder spoke of her happy place, quote, unquote. quote, that place she had created in her mind using self-hypnosis that she could go to just any time. Well, from the chat room, Topaz added this remark quote, This chat room is my happy place. End quote. We like to hear that, Topaz. Thanks for the remark. You should see the smile on Ravinder's yeah, face. Yeah, I love
2: you too, Topaz. That's wonderful. Do come join us again.
1: All right. Joanne wrote I have just discovered provocative enlightenment and I love it. I find this all very, very interesting. My question is. Has Eldon used his own CDs for an area in his life he wanted to change? What area was it, and what were the results? I really enjoy the shows. Well, good question, Joanne, and thanks for your input. Here's your answer. Yes, yes, and yes. I have shared in my books, particularly Choices and Illusions, and what does that mean, both Hay House Publications, by the way, much of my own story. When you read who I used to be, a fairer question might be, are there any programs Eldon has not used? Well, the answer there is thumb sucking. I, of course, I didn't use that one. <laughs> but seriously, I began with a program that became our number one bestseller, Forgiving and Letting Go. When I discovered just how much anger, hostility, guilt, shame, blame, and so forth I was packing. I eventually changed careers from carrying a gun, practicing criminalistics, running lie detection tests all day long, and so forth, to what I do today. I initially worked on myself and then on larger groups. We created uh, some good studies, double-blind studies. We carried them out in a variety of environments, from campuses on test anxiety to the prison system. Today, my life is entirely different than it used to be. Where I used to smoke three packs of cigarettes a day, I'm smoke-free. Where I used to be unable to do any public speaking, it is now something I do all the time. I could go on and on. Uh, The long and the short of it, Joanne, I have used many of my own CDs, and I continue to do so today. Indeed, we play the CDs in our office all day long, in the home, at night while I'm sleeping. And and a couple of my favorites, because I'm just going to anticipate that right now, There's a program we have called Quantum Younging. All of us want to be younger. I play that one in my office. Optimism Plus, I choose to be optimistic. I choose to be a deliberate Pollyanna, if you will, and Millionaire Orbit. That's a program based on Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, and anyone that has read that book know that's that's precisely where a lot of us would like to be because it's primarily about the spirituality of our life. All right, before I leave this subject, Joanne, the Forgiving and Letting Go program is now free. You can download it together with several others that we make available as part of our Pay It Forward program by going to Eldentaylor.com. Once there, use the left-hand navigation pane and select free programs. It couldn't be a lot easier. And by the way, if you want the CD version, that too is free, but there's a postage and handling charge. All right, Alyssa wrote, Regarding our free MP3 programs, thank you and bless you for your work, kindness, and generosity. May it come back to you many times. It just did, Alyssa. Thank you for the new warm fuzzy. Sandra wrote, I've found your intertalk programs to be incredibly helpful. I'm taking care of an ill spouse, and I was so stressed I knew I would become ill myself if I didn't find some help. Listening to the programs you have free online has been a way for me to feel calm, patient, and less stressed. I find myself noticing the beauty of the world where before I was just totally caught up in my spouse's pain and illness. We're glad we can help you in some small way, Sandra, and we all send you our very, very best. Nicole wrote, Love listening to you on HayHouseRadio.com. Thanks, Nicole. I like those pithy comments. Be sure to spread the word if you would, please. Julie wrote, Thank you for the great work you do for humanity. Love your program on HayHouse. Thanks, Julie. Terry wrote, I can't express enough in words how right on you are with so much that you say and write. I wanted to get your book for myself and both of my grown sons for such a long time. Today's show is the definite nudge to do just that. So much wonderful information and delivered by you with such grace. Thanks again. I will stay tuned. Wow. Thank you, Terry. And we will do our very best to live up to your words. Evelyn wrote regarding last week's show, just finished listening to another great provocative enlightenment show and chatting in the chat room. This show is amazing and one of the best on Hay House Radio. Now that's what I call a sweet comment. Thank you, Evelyn, and we hope you will keep listening. Finally, from our chat room, Danny added this comment. I play the Intertalk Serenity CD from your book, Mind Programming, whenever I need it, and it works like a charm. Thanks, Danny. For all of you out there, Mind Programming was just released in paperback. Hundred thousand words in paperback, and it comes with the InterTalk Serenity CD that we sell every day for twenty-seven ninety-five. You can get both the book and the CD for around ten dollars at Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Ten bucks. Go get yours while the getting's good. That's all I have to say. All right, that's all the time we're going to take today for our letters, but I do invite you to opine by leaving comments on my website or by emailing me at Eldon at com, and or by joining me on Facebook. I do read all of your letters, even though we don't have time to share them all on the show. That said, they do impact our programming, so again, thank you. And a special thank you to all of you out there that have taken the time to write Hey House about our show. We know that Provocative Enlightenment is a different show than most of the programming on HayHouseRadio.com, and we do appreciate your support and hope you enjoy our program. Now to today's show. What ideas do you have about the afterlife? Years ago, a friend of mine, Professor William Gillory, began to channel from the other side. Now, Bill was a professor of chemistry, indeed the chair of the chemistry department at the University of Utah and also president of Black Chemists of America, so when he began channeling, this was a big deal. I read many hours of Bill's channeled writings, and many had to do with life after this life. Not long ago, I decided to write a book on the afterlife, and to that end, I set out to compile my sources, conduct my interviews, and so forth. I used my radio show in large, Mind Matters, to investigate first-hand accounts. And by the way, those shows are in our archive at eldentaylor.com under Mind Matters. My idea behind the book was one taken from our judicial process. That's a let's establish a criteria for a proof that could be reasonably said to reach the level of certainty called beyond a reasonable doubt. I investigated poltergeist, electronic voice phenomena, ghost recordings, seances, mediums, psychics, OBEs, NDEs, and virtually every other area I could think of. After approximately 12 weeks, it became clear to me that there was an abundance of books on life after death already out there. During my investigations, however, I was introduced to a filmmaker that liked the direction I was going, so I gave the book idea to a friend, And the beyond a reasonable doubt, which has become just known as the Bard, B-A-R-D for short, to the filmmaker for a TV series. We'll see what happens with that in time. The reason I share this with you is that it also became very clear to me, at least from my perspective, that the notion of personal consciousness surviving physical death is a very provable hypothesis if we accept the same criteria that we would use to punish criminals in our judicial system. In other words, we may not have concrete proof per se, but if we can take a person's life under the terms of capital punishment beyond a reasonable doubt, then it only seems intelligent to accept the same proof level for life after death. However, that said, the famous skeptic Michael Shermer says death is a part of life and pretending that dead are gathering in a television studio in New York to talk twaddle with a former ballroom dance instructor as is is an insult to the intelligence and humanity of the living. Well, our guest today has written a book that was seven years in the making, a book written at the bequest of the Risen Collective. The collective is composed of over 1,500 non-terrestrial beings. Plus, inestimate, all right, I can't estimate them, divas of various ranges of intelligence, status, self-awareness, and time spans. Sound interesting? Well, I think so. And I have my own ideas and opinions about all of this. But how about you? We would like your input. And we invite you to join us. Let's meet today's guest, August Goforth. A pen name, by the way is a psychotherapist in private practice in New York City. August is also an intuitive mental and psychophysical spirit medium. He was given this name as a child by risen guides and mentors and uses it here for the sake of his personal privacy and that of his therapy patients. He does not utilize, and let me repeat that, he does not utilize his mediumistic abilities for therapy sessions, nor does he work as a professional medium to give readings for others. This is a professional bias as well as a personal choice and may serve as an example for other therapists who might be misguided to inappropriately use mediumistic abilities in their work. However, he believes there will be an eventual spiritual evolution of humanity as enriched by risen contact, whereby various human therapies will all successfully and appropriately be able to utilize mediumistic abilities for healing purposes. August is a member of several groups of non-embodied entities who are working to develop approaches of therapeutic support for psycho-spiritual challenges arising from imbalances between authentic self and the ego mind and its simulate selves. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment, Mr. August Goforth.
0: Thanks very much. I'm very happy to be here.
1: It's indeed our pleasure, sir. To begin with... How about telling us about the risen, who they are, where they are, and what your history with them is?
0: Um, Very difficult to put into words because it's been mostly experiential for me. So you're used to understanding the idea of experiencing something internally. We have our internal worlds. It's been almost an internal world for me until some point it started externalizing in some physical manifestations The risen are people who um, have transitioned from their earth body. Uh, A lot of people say they've died. And they've moved on to a different state of vibration where we can usually no longer see them or hear them. And I use the term risen um, as a term borrowed from them. Uh, So often when I've talked to um, people I do know, people I don't know, they describe it as, they're, they're, I asked them, describe my experience to you of, of what it is to transition from here to there, wherever you are, and it's like rising. They use that word an awful lot, and it seems such a powerful word, and it's hard to say, like, well, who are you? What do I call you? Do I call you souls, spirits, um, ghosts? And they said, no, how about just the risen? And so that's sort of our collective name for that state. It's also uh, um, a referral to someone who's healthy in that respect. Uh, someone who is healthily risen, they're conscious, they're aware of who they are, they know they've survived the the transition period, um, they're alive, they're awake, they're curious, they're excited, they're happy.
1: Okay, August, I, I, I like the term risen uh, and newly risen, much more than dead, passed over. Uh, I despise the notion and it, the language they lost the battle you know which is something we always hear you know somebody tony swan uh, lost the battle with cancer and and died this morning and and, i I, I suppose in that sense we're all going to lose the battle at some point or not right
0: and it also Uh, carries carries the um understanding that there is no death it's not suddenly you're alive and suddenly you're not and suddenly you are again it's just a transition It's a journey from one state of awareness to another, which we all have every day. We do it every morning that we wake up. We're suddenly not there. Suddenly we're here. And you had mentioned Michael Shermer's um, statement about that there is no... um, that it's an insult to the living uh, to talk. He said, we die, and and death is part of life, I think is what he said. And Mm -hmm. I, I would disagree with that. I said, death is not a part of life. That's an assumption that there is such a thing as death. I tend to um, think in terms from all my experiences that there's nothing but life, just different forms and experiences of it.
1: Well, you know, James, while we're on that, James von Prague, uh, on Larry King, uh, live, uh, speaking of Michael Shermer said something to the effect, I'm going to kind of paraphrase that, that skeptics aren't here, uh, to help people. They're here to destroy people. Uh, they're not here to encourage people or to enlighten people. Um, and, uh, mediums uh, psychics the uh, they tend to be here to enlighten in and, and in simple plain English you are a medium correct correct
0: and that's that's one and, way of putting it and of course that word means different things to different people in different cultures and different parts of the world
1: and, and I was just gonna ask you kind of if you will uh, define it somewhat from your own context, how you see that word, because I I somehow don't see you having a seance or smoke-filled room or crystal ball. But if I'm wrong, tell me.
0: No, I don't do that, although I have been to um, different kinds of uh, seances over the years, just on my own investigations. And about skepticism, um, it appears to me that, We need skepticism to a certain degree. There is such a thing as healthy skepticism. We need our skeptics. Even the Scrooges have a place amongst the earth with us um, because there are a lot of people who say they're mediums and say they do medium things uh, and publicize themselves and sort of establish kind of notoriety or fame. And yet um, John Edwards had recently in an interview with an Australian journalist um, in Melbourne, I think, noted that... um, he has changed his whole uh, outlook on skeptics. He thinks that we need more skeptics than ever because so many people are kind of saying, oh, I'm a medium and I can do this too. A medium, um, in my experience, is someone who you could say is sort of a go-between, someone who, um, in my case, I'm able to access layers of consciousness that people who are risen also can access. to sort of meet in these psycho-spiritual, mental areas where we can communicate. And um, a medium in that case would mean that if I want to, I can at least try to convey some of what they're saying or bringing across to people who can't sense them or see them or hear them. Although it appears to me that pretty much everyone can access these spiritual senses with some... um, with some work and look at their own inner belief system
1: all right now you're a psychotherapist (laughs) your book spends a lot of time on ego and higher self and we'll get into that um but obviously you know the investigator in me uh, with a background myself in psychotherapy i i look at this and 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 the very first thing that i think about is uh the skeptical side of what makes August go forth uh, the special person to be talking to the risen, how much of this is in his own ego, etc. Uh, and maybe the most difficult part as uh, the introduction to your book or the forward to your book written by Melvin Morris uh, points out, maybe the most difficult aspect of the book is in accepting the idea that, that, you know, this is real, that it's really taken place. So I, I'm, I'm going to ask you, um, very directly. You state in your book <clears throat> that the risen gave you your name, August Auburn Goforth, when you were a child. Now, the name itself is interesting, and especially when we talk about ego, because uh, especially, uh, again, in how you obtained it, August means inspiring awe or admiration, majestic Oberon is of the old German origin, and the meaning is noble or royal bear. And from an old French name of German Frankish origin, the name may possibly be a form of Oberon, king of the fairies in Shakespeare's A Midsummer's Night Dream. And Goforth is commonly sourced as the nickname for a messenger ordered to start out for his destination, What's your impression of this name? The name itself seems to say, hey, with lights and bells and clamor, here I am. <laughs> Doesn't
0: sound like a bad thing either. Um, no, I, I, I don't yeah.
1: disagree with you. but,
0: but Well, that, the name know. has been with me since I was a child, like even before, um, even before I was in school. And I didn't understand it at all. I was surrounded by people who I could see. Um, that no one else could see. My parents didn't seem to think it was extraordinary that I had these so-called imaginary friends. And they were the ones who spoke to me as August. Others called me by the birth name that my parents gave me. I really didn't distinguish between the two, and it um, wasn't something that was any extra special to me than the name that my family or friends or parents called me my birth name. But it seemed to be probably the best name to use in terms of preserving my anonymity if I wanted to write in kind of a private way around this to bring this information to people without impacting my own private life. So it's not a name that I use very much, probably only in this writing and in um, with my dealings with Tim, who sometimes calls me by my birth name, my earth name, other times calls me Augie because he knows that it, it kind of uh, irritates me. Um, but it's not a name that uh, I I seize upon. I don't use very much. My friends, my colleagues, they don't call me that name at all.
1: All right. Well, I, I, had I been you, I'm afraid I would have I would have insisted. I mean, we have to change this to something like Sam Jones or something. Uh, <laughs> yes, only because. Go ahead.
0: It, it sounds. I mean, it sounds kind of romantic and flowery. I don't know. I think I stated somewhere in the book that the meaning of the name was something that kind of I didn't quite understand. You know, we name our children, we name um, things, um, and we assign meanings to them. But I never really You're got right. into the meaning of the name. Right. Like, oh, this means who I am or this is what I am. It's a, right. it's a nice name to have. We'll
1: take that up when we come back. We're coming up on a hard break. You're listening to Provocative Enlightenment. We're discussing The Risen, and I really like that idea, with author August Goforth. We will return after a short break and a few words from our friends. Be sure to stay tuned. You don't want to miss what's coming up. And thank you for listening to Provocative Enlightenment.
3: Have you talked to yourself lately? What does that inner voice say? Are you constantly hearing negative feedback? Ready for a change? Inner talk, Eldon Taylor's patented subliminal technology, can do just that. Change your inner self-talk. Turn off the negative by replacing it with positive affirmations. Inner talk has been researched at universities such as Stanford and by governments around the world and has been proven effective at priming your self-talk. Armed with a new positive outlook, you'll find everything becomes easier, from losing weight to stop smoking, giving presentations to riding horses. Learn new things to being a powerful salesperson. Choose your title for change today. Visit www.innertalk.com. That's I N N E R T A L K.com. Innertalk.com. Confusion deception, manipulation, feeling a bit controlled, lost. Learn how you can take back control of your life through proven techniques in Eldon Taylor's revised edition of Choices and Illusions. This New York Times bestseller is a guidebook to your journey to self-actualization, filled with practical, real-life solutions backed by scientific studies and guaranteed to awaken your inner genie. Get your copy today from all bookstores
0: unlock the power of your mind this is provocative enlightenment with eldon taylor
1: welcome back if you just joined us the risen that's our subject of the day uh before we get back to today's show i want to remind you to like in the words of facebook our provocative enlightenment facebook page and while you're there i invite you to join me personally on facebook as a friend. Finally, be sure to check out the free programs and sign up for the free newsletter when you visit EldonTaylor.com. Okay, back to the show. Uh, We were just wrapping up before the break uh, the the meaning of of your name, August, but with that that background, I think what I'd like to do in this next half, because we've got a lot of questions that have come in from the chat room and we have callers online, is go right to what the message was. But... In, in doing so, we kind of need to know about the co-author. Do you want to tell us about Timothy Gray?
0: Timothy Gray um, was uh, uh, one of my best friends. He was actually my partner in life, and um, we were just starting out in life together when he got very sick from AIDS and died quite quickly from it. Um, it was rather a shock. At that time, uh, I really wasn't... Uh, Neither of us had. we were both exploring psychic abilities and learning how to increase them. He was actually co-authoring a book about dreams uh, when he died. And it wasn't until two years later that um, he suddenly appeared in my life. He was a very creative person, um, was an editor, was a photographer, was a very uh, prolific writer in things. Uh, but the last thing that I ever expected was to hear from him again or to see him again. We had made no kind of contract or, or anything like that. You know, if you get over there, we, we just weren't interested in those things. Um, I was already involved in my own um, career trying to get that off the ground as a psychotherapist. And so it was kind of a strange timing that he came to just... Um, start contact with me, it's because we had never stopped loving each other. And it was that love that actually was the bond or the door that allowed people he was working with on his side to use our relationship as kind of an experiment. They wanted to see, would this work? Could he contact me? Could we explore different ways of communication? Will this increase one's sense of self, of consciousness? Will this, um, what would happen? So there were scientists that he were working with that were utilizing the love from our relationship to make this happen.
1: Yeah. Okay, Jack from our chat room has some really interesting questions, kind of a twist on what I was going to ask. But uh, when Tim appeared to you on the bed, was he full-formed apparition of Wispy? This is Jack's question. Uh, as he spoke, was he heard mentally or as a physical voice?
0: When he appeared on the bed, it was brief, like in the blink of an eye. He was fully formed. He wasn't transparent or anything like that. Um, It just looked like a real person sitting three feet away from me where I was sitting at my desk. He didn't speak at all. Um, There was no kind of psychic inner communication or telepathy going on. But he had this incredible beatific smile on his face that I still can conjure up at any moment when I think about it. And it startled me so much because it was the last thing that I ever expected to see. that I just sort of jumped to my feet and screamed, some books went flying, and he was gone.
1: (laughs) All right, Debbie from the chat room, as I'm going to ask, the night that my sister-in-law rose, and I like that. That See, I think you're going to put a whole new language on this entire issue, if nothing else, for sure, August. The night that my sister-in-law rose, I felt a definite presence behind me and felt a nudge on my hip. Can you tell me if that ease, if that was her and what she was trying to tell me?
0: My sense um, is that it wasn't her, but people who were with her in the room assisting at her transition and also assisting you in helping you, just bringing some healing energy, some support to you to make. It's a transition for us, too. When our loved ones transition, we transition as well. Life never stays the same as transitioning. So I don't believe, it doesn't feel like it was actually her transition but probably they were conveying her saying goodbye to you, see you there, or something like that.
1: All right, Diva Doc again out of the chat room says, "Ask August how he can avoid using information he receives as a channel from the treatment of his psychotherapy clients." Clients.
0: Well, um, any any good psychotherapist sets up um, has good boundaries to begin with, and also sets up kind of a preliminary process and policy about how therapy is going to happen. And I do this externally with patients saying, this is what your expectations are out of therapy. Um, We'll negotiate them. And then also internally I do this with people on the other side. So over the years um, I've developed kind of as part of an uh, integral part of my practice, because most psychotherapy sessions don't involve people from the other side who come in. Occasionally it happens. Not once, Has anyone from the other side who has appeared during a psychotherapy session asked me to convey information to someone? Usually, they tell me not to. Um, They really just want to be silent observers. They want to be there as as, um, loving supporters. They don't want to interfere, and they never interfere with what's going on. Um, I've always found that fascinating, and I appreciate it, too.
1: All right. Uh, I, I have to ask this question, and I don't mean it to be insensitive, but... Uh where you protect your anonymity. Is there any disclosure to your patients that you are also a medium or that you also uh, uh you know uh have written the risen, et cetera? Never. 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 So there's a complete separation between complete the separation, two. yeah. All right, let's let's go to our phone lines. Uh, we have Sharon from Defiance, Ohio on the line. Sharon, you have a question for August Goforth?
2: Yes, I do. Um hello. Uh my question is, you know, I had two really good friends that passed on that were in this life when they were living in this lifetime, they were very intuitive and very much um, you know, uh, guiding other people as well as myself and I had a medium tell me when he made contact with them, not to ask them about, you know, what I was going through or what my solutions were, and that I understood you to say that <clears throat> the people that you refer to as the risen do help you with your authentic self. So could you elaborate on that a little bit more and maybe where I'm confused at?
0: Um, Sharon, there's a lot of information there, and you faded out a little bit towards the end. So if you could just repeat a little bit of what you said, I can answer that better. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Um, Could you just speak up just a little? Thanks.
2: Okay. My question was um, I I had two friends that uh, passed over, one of them recently, and they were both very intuitive. <clears throat> and kind of helped me in my soul growth, and I had a medium make contact with them, and they said, we really shouldn't be asking those people for guidance, and yet I understood you to say the Risen do help us become more of our authentic oh, right, self. Yeah. so That's um, kind of my question.
0: Yeah, I would be fascinated to know why that, that was interpreted that way, Um, Oh, yes, absolutely. The people who are closest to us, that we still have this bond of love, whenever you find yourself thinking of them, that's because they're thinking of you. If you ever find yourself sometimes having an internal mental conversation with with the friends that you lost, consider that maybe they started the conversation, and you're just picking up and answering them. And then others say, oh, am I talking to myself? But you're not. You're responding to them. They're very close. They're very supportive. They do want to help us. um, Mainly... It's very simple. They want you to know that they're okay. Um, they want you to know, usually more than that, that they're better than okay, that they've never been better in life, and also that they still love and care for you and that they want you not to be afraid anymore. Probably, um, without doubt, the most negative emotion that we can have in life is is uh, the negative emotion of fear that just disables us completely. They're no longer afraid, and they want you to experience that as well, too. So, um but they won't interfere they won't try to um, enforce things upon you now these are healthy risen people you know risen people people are people no matter where they are so there are people less than healthy who may try to interfere but your friends usually won't interfere they'll just say if you want something ask ask us but they'll, all you have to do is ask and they'll respond
2: okay thank you so
1: much you're welcome thank you for calling Sharon uh, before I get back to any of the, the questions that we got in the chat room and the telephone, August, uh, when <clears throat> when you talk about uh, there are some that are healthy, that implies that of course there are some that are not. And one of the one of the things that very often goes unsaid when you're looking into life after death is we all hear about how wonderful things are, but w- what goes on for those people who aren't uh, so healthy? What what? Here we have rehabilitation processes of some kind. What, what goes on on the other side with uh, what we would call unhealthy individuals?
0: Um, well, there, as, as well as here, there are degrees of health, um, and, and that's constantly changing. People who, have, who arrive on the other side who sort of wake up in fear, or maybe they really haven't done a lot of work, on evolving their spiritual body, which is inside our our physical body while we're on Earth. So they don't quite understand what's going on. Um, Sometimes people who have been impaired by serious mental illness uh, here on Earth and transition over there, oftentimes that just drops away. It's as if it never was. Other times it's more, I guess the word would be crystallized. So there are healers there. Um, There are scientists, I guess you could call them, who specialize in the healing arts to bring people back to full mental awareness and consciousness, to a place where they no longer live without fear. Um, Tim had had a pretty rough time in his transition, so he didn't transition fully or healthily. He was still very, very much asleep, um, waking in and out of consciousness on the other side, and he woke up and was sort of a very beautiful healing center where there were people who did all kinds of wonderful healing techniques with um, music and light and silence and nature and loved ones who were there. So there's always... Um, I guess you would call them healing facilities, uh, for lack of a better word there, to help such people.
1: But then, and and I have to ask this because everybody seems to be unwilling to talk about it, that Mm -hmm. does indeed uh, have the ability to communicate directly as you do with the other side. Um, You. There must be evil on that other side. Is there an explanation for something like the entity, the the, the story of the woman that was sexually abused, etc., by uh, and documented uh, uh, with uh, from by researchers? Actually, even a movie written or uh, done as a result of it. Is there evil of this kind on the other side?
0: Well, there are there are um, people there just as here who do evil, who do misguided things who are acting and coming from a place of total fear of not being loved, of not understanding how love works. They're damaged, um, but but it's never permanent. It can al- always be healed. Um, I remember reading in some of the spiritualist literature who, that they were anti-putting um, people to death, executing people to death, because they're saying when you you uh, release a murderer's soul into the afterlife, it's they're still a murderer, they're still angry, they're still looking for revenge, usually they become trapped souls. So uh, I, I myself avoid saying that there are evil people. I think that there are good people who do evil things. Um, as a therapist, you know, when we look deeper and deeper into people, we can find uh, almost developmental behavior aspects that go on, not start here and continue on over in, in the afterlife
1: all more reason to oppose capital punishment. Um, that, that's a very interesting explanation. I, I have to ask you this also. I, I just kind of want to flesh this out. Earlier in your book, you discuss a, a place where no one needs to work, where everything is provided, where only abundance can be had, and so on. And I believe it was Mark Twain that commented in his book, uh, Letters from Earth, uh, or not paraphrase it, the idea of imaging, imagining some kind of a heaven where we do nothing but sit around doing what no one wants to do on earth is somewhat preposterous. In your heaven, with everything provided, no need for continued progression of some sort, what do you do? And and yet, with that said, later in the book, there's a sort of eternal progression that's proposed. So, I mean, how do you reconcile these two views?
0: Well, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. No one is going to force you. If you want to sit around and and have the harp and halo experience with the choir singing, you can have that. (laughs) How long you are going to be able to tolerate that is anyone's guess. Um, It just seems to be built into our systems that we can't tolerate that kind of stuff for too long, and we have to change the channel. So that's where the creativity comes in. And we start looking outside of ourselves for stimulation. The universe just is constant, uh, this source of novelty, providing us with things to stimulate us to grow and do new things. So um, sitting around and, you know, watching junk TV, eating junk food, no matter where you are, can be a good thing. But too much, you know, gets on your nerves and you stop it after a while. Same there as it is here.
1: For those that have not read your book, uh, there are... uh, there are different stages. Different. Uh, I don't want to use the word evolution because, of, well, for my own reasons, I don't want to use that word. But there are there are different places in which different thresholds or different uh, geography. Uh, how would you say it? it? Uh, different levels of vibration that we we move through that are mm-hmm. our learning experience. Different glories of of the kingdom, if you will, to use a biblical uh, reference. But
0: the best term, you know. Uh, uh, One of the reasons the book took so long, not just because there's so much material coming through, but I also have a life, you know, I have to do other things and do laundry and things like that, Um, is trying to find the right kind of language to describe these um, often almost polarized or extreme states compared to what we experience here on Earth. And the word that best came up for me was the word geographies, that um, depending upon our vibration, we find ourselves in these particular states or places. You could call them states of mind, because even as you, um, I think you've mentioned in your book, what does that mean, that um, thoughts are things and thinking is destiny. When you Whatever you truly believe, you're likely to manifest or experience. And that's very sure. true. Um, we experience certain kinds of thoughts and feelings. They manifest as our surroundings, as our environment. Environment might be another word. So people may stay in these geographies for, you know, whatever amount of time it stays, and then as they learn more, they start exploring, they get the traveling bug, whatever you want to call it, their mind changes. And you can see that just as, you know, you're sitting at your desk and you're just sort of daydreaming. You kind of move through these inner geographies as well. They don't manifest as dramatically externally as they would in the Risen Lands, but it still happens. It's all connected in that way.
1: All right, let's let's get back to our telephone, or I'll find myself monopolizing all of your time here. We have uh, from San Diego, Angela on the line, and Angela, welcome to Provocative Enlightenment. Do you have a question for uh, August Goforth?
2: Yes, um, I'm attracted to a certain archetype goddess, and I wanted to, and I feel, I feel connected to her. How do how do you know how do you how can you connect better and is this real I don't know it feels real to me
1: Did you get that August How do you communicate better with guides with your guides
2: Yes
0: um, The more you do it the better it gets the easier it gets you learn you have to it's it's almost like a practice um, if you make an effort. It's a lot of work. It really is, which is why a lot of people don't do it, because it's not easy. It's not easy maintaining the contact. Um, So you have to do it consistently. uh, It's just like learning any kind of a new habit. And as you do it, sometimes you sort of have to kind of act as if you're doing it. But eventually, we've discovered through studies that even acting as if actually makes the thing happen. So the more that you reach out, um, even just a simple a personal ritual of prayer in the morning or in the evening or, in, or during lunch, just reaching out to this person saying, Hi, I'm thinking of you. And really concentrating on the feelings, because it's the feelings that's the connection that actually connects us there. I hope that helps.
2: Yes, that helps. And uh, how do you... Can you... Okay. I'll just focus on that.
1: Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Thanks for calling, Angela. Let's go to Dino in uh, New Jersey. or I'm sorry, Dinah in New Jersey. Dinah, you're on the air with uh, August Goforth. You have a question for us today. Dinah, are you there?
4: Oh. I'm sorry. It's Dina in New York. I think we had a bad right, connection.
1: In New York, not New Jersey. I got it all wrong.
4: <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, thank you for taking my call, and thank you to uh, Alden. I haven't had the privilege of reading your book yet, but it is now definitely on my list. Um, along the thought of working once we leave here, um, As I've been working on my own spirituality, death was something I was always really afraid of until I had an intuitive experience with an animal. Mm -hmm. And now I'm doing my life calling and working with animals. And I jokingly say, but I sure hope it's true, that when I leave this world, I want to be a puppy and kitten designer. I'm the one that wants to put the funny little marks on them. (laughs) And so listening to what you just said a little while ago, it sounds like, that is truly a possibility. That's truly what I want to do.
0: It is. Um, the, The great news is that when there's something that I interpret by calling it the principle of affinity, that like attracts like, that we're attracted to things that are like us, and those things, experiences, people, thoughts, ideas, feelings, are attracted to us as well. Over there, there's, There's much less constriction, much less restriction. Time is of a very different order. So we'll find ourselves just almost, it really is, what we experience is gravity here. The principle of affinity is gravity there. That's that's the attracting force. So anything that really gives us pleasure, passion, love, allows us to express ourselves in our own very, very personal way, um, that becomes a reality for us. So I think you're you're probably going to have uh, a lot of good fun.
4: Okay. Thank you so much again for taking my call. I look forward to getting your book, and I'll continue listening. And, yep, I and, can't wait. And,
0: and probably, <laughs> I mean, I can't because I love playing with them and here on Earth the, now. The, they, um, and, and just as an aside, probably some of the first people you're going to meet when you're over there are your animal friends.
4: I vision that. I truly believe in the Rainbow Bridge, and I believe that, um, because of what I do now mm-hmm. and the connection that I help animals that oh, really uh, they know and I know and some of the people or their pet parents know here, but either way I call it like flipping animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you flip a house, you get it, and it's not yep. sound, and it it needs to be balanced. It needs to know that it's okay. And so I, I do that with them. Okay. Um and I truly believe that a lot of them will be there to greet me, even though that I may not have been their full-time caretaker here on Earth. So I dream about being trampled, so to speak, well, come, by the I... love of the animals. And yeah. um, I tell people now, if, if I go, um, don't be sorry for me, because I'm going to be doing a job that I'm dreaming about fulfilling at some point. I'm not ready to go there yet, but now I don't have a fear. That's wonderful.
1: Becoming part of the risen, not yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for calling. <laughs> thank you both. Bye bye. August, uh, we've got we've got lots of phones. I'm not going to be able to get to, and lots of questions in the chat room. Uh, so, real quick, like I want to make sure that everybody knows uh, the book is the risen. Uh, tell them how do we get in touch with you? Uh, how do we find out more information? You know, give me uh, 45 seconds of uh, sell me August. Go forth. Uh, of
0: course, there's a website. It's um, just called therisenbooks.com, books with a plural, because there's going to probably be some more eventually. Um, and there's chapter ex- excerpts there that people can go on and just read some things that were going on. There's a link to a blog. Um, people can get the book through Amazon right now. It's done on print-on-demand, which we found was the greenest way of not having a whole warehouse of books sitting around. But when people need a book, they order it um, and it's printed right there and then fresh copy and and sent to them so there isn't any extra waste of resources.
1: It's a beautiful book. It's very nicely done, and uh, I love how you sent it out. I I received a nice envelope, um, invitation for communication inside that envelope, a bookmark. The bookmark has a beautiful saying on it, Death is not extinguishing the light, it is putting out the lamp because the dawn has come. August, go forth. We certainly appreciate you joining us today. Sorry we just simply don't have more time. Uh, We've come to the end of another hour of Provocative Enlightenment. I want to thank all of you for joining us, and uh, I truly uh, hope you enjoyed our show and will join us again next week, same time, same place. I do apologize if you were on the line or you submitted uh, questions through the chat room. We just need to make this show a two-hour show, so (laughs) we're constantly running out of time. I hope you like the show, and if you do, do let us know. Again, until next time, remember, believing in yourself always.